Ladies and gentlemen, roll up. It's time for the Chaotic Calcio Carnival. The cackle, clatter and chatter of the rank squad. It's your favourite football podcast. It's BR Football Ranks. This Sunday, there were three finals from three tournaments in three continents and the television triple threat made for a voracious day of feasting on football. So, to summarise, eyes on Leon, World Cup final away we go. Of course, the difference was Megan Rapino. The Dutch hustled, feathers truly rustled, back-to-back trophies for this US team. World champion, golden boot, golden ball. Please kneel before your queen. Then to the copper and Jesus walks to glory. City's new number nine writing his own Selecao story. From delightful to dismissed, the strangest hat-trick of all. Crying in the tunnel, copper title, match ball. Shouts out to Peru Brave Outlaws again before the whole thing became a political campaign. And it finished in the States. Old rivals in the mix could Pulisic swing the tide with his bag of tricks. The answer was no, El Tree, just too much. And the question that remains to ask is such, if this new US era is to finally begin, ladies, can you please teach these lads how to win? Like it. Very good. Three Very games. Good, Very three good. games, three verses, three arts, three lads having a good time Nicely for BR Football up. Ranks. My name is Jack Collins and as ever, I'll be your host today. And I'm joined by the two BR Football behemoths. Firstly, the man with his ear to the ground, whose favourite member of Bob the Builder's entourage is Scoop, of course. <laughs> it's our Emir of the exclusive, Dean Jones. I've never seen Bob the Builder, mate, but thanks. Well, you've got some, some learning to do, uh, but I imagine with, with a young child, you will soon be into Bob the Builder. I've got territory. so much to look forward to, mate. No, I just don't know where Scoop to begin. Good, Scoop was a good guy. Scoop was a great kid. Really, really liked Scoop. And also, it's the most divisive man this side of the Atlantic for now. His favourite Jason Statham film it is obviously Crank. It's the rank god, Sam Ty. Hello. 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 I haven't seen that either. You haven't seen that either. Well, you've you've got a lot of catching up to do, Dean. I've got a lot of TVs to watch when we go to America. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's time for it takes. Dean, do you want to get the ball rolling for us this week? Yeah, I don't know how closely you watched Copper America, but if you hadn't watched it very closely, then you'd have just seen basically a lot of pictures of Gabriel Jesus crying in the last couple of days because that seems to be the image portrayed of his tournament. But actually... That's what he does anyway, though. He's always He does love a cry. Yeah, he has a tough life. (laughs) But actually, this summer was a breakthrough tournament for him. And he came of age for me, really. He scored his first goals in tournament football. The Brazilian public really seemed to take to him even more, even though they haven't really had a big problem with the fact that before now, he hadn't really fulfilled that role as Brazil's main goal threat. Obviously, last year at the World Cup didn't go to plan for him. He's come of age, though, and uh, Chiche put him into a role on the right side of that attack, and he was superb. Now he has to go and do the same for Manchester City. I think my hot take is next season is make or break for him at Man City. If he does not get the chances he deserves in that Man City team, if they cannot find a way to get him in there more often, I think his patience will run out and he will leave. So what did GJ do that made him more useful? What was his role and how does it translate back to his city? Kind well, of they, can't, they played him more in, in a format that you would think is familiar with Liverpool. So think of the way their front three works. Um, Jesus was basically the right side of a three like that. So they had Firmino through the middle most of the time and Everton on the, light, the left side most of the time. Um, so like very narrow. Basically. Very narrow. And he also could come inside then as well. And his work rate was really impressive. Um, his all-round game was great. And I think that you, they just managed to get more out of him than just playing that central role that we see him trying to fill uh, whenever he gets the chance in front of Aguero. 
and there's always so much pressure on him to deliver goals. And it's been the same in the Brazil shirt up to now. Having that number nine role, there's always so much pressure. Now, at the end of last season, Jesus did start to consider his future. Should he move from Man City now? And speaking to people, he had offers on the table. Atletico Madrid came in for him. Roma both uh, uh, asked the question as well. Do you want to leave Man City? If so, come to us. And he's decided that, no, he's going to give Man City another season. And I think that they've got to find a way to make this work now. He's such a good player. They signed him thinking he was a potential Ballon d'Or winner one day. I think he's got that ability. You've just got to try and get it out of him now. He's taking the number nine shirt, Sam. That's a bit of a statement of intent. I know, obviously, it's not you know, the be-all and end-all squad numbers these days, but that shirt's been free. It's not like someone else has been in it yeah. and he didn't step up and take it and now he's made that decision. It, it kind of does suggest that his mindset is a little bit changed. Yeah, D- Dean talks about the pressure of stepping in for Aguero and the pressure of playing up front for Brazil. Dude, you're a striker uh, and you play for Man City and you play for one of the best ever footballing nations. Like You're just going to have to embrace it and get used to it. And maybe taking that number nine shirt is a signal that he's changing his mentality and he is embracing that role. I wouldn't blame him if he felt disillusioned up until this point. Aguero just seems to be going on forever and ever. And Aguero has upped his game in accordance with Jesus. So since Pep brought him in, Aguero has added things to his game that he just didn't have. I didn't, I didn't see it coming. Jesus probably didn't see it coming. Pep definitely didn't see it coming. And that's why we're in this situation. Dean, to turn it to you, you said it's make or break. Well, which one will it be? Probably break, to be honest, because my, my big question is, for Pep is, how do you fit him in? That, that's his big problem, keeping Jesus satisfied because of the other options that he's got up front. I mean, he can't leave Raheem Sterling out of the side. Mm. And then you've also got Bernardo Silva to fit in. Leroy Sané is still there at the moment and looks like he's still going to be there next season. What do you do? Right, let's take this on to your hot take, Sam. What, what have you got for us this week? All right, well, the funniest thing happened this morning, Jack. What? I woke up and it turned out I was Matthias Delict. <laughs> I mean, you got the right hair-ish. Yep, same height. More or I less, think, yeah. yeah. Same build, same skill, same talent level. <laughs> um, look, that's, at, when it, that's when it all went wrong. Same yeah. latte on the way to work. So yeah. at first I thought it was great, like checking my bank balance, looking around, it was pretty cool. Uh, but I was just trying to relax this morning, eating my morning pancake and street waffles, and my agent, Mina Raiola, kept calling me. So I finally picked up the phone. He said, Matthias, Juve, it's on, let's go. And I thought, finally, this transfer saga is coming to an end. After all this time, I thought, finally. And then I just had this horrible feeling. I thought, hang on a minute. There's a better move for me out there. I don't want to go to Juve. (laughs) I've been thinking about this for weeks. And with the greatest respects to Juventus and Barcelona and Manchester United and PSG, and I am flattered by the interest that has been shown in me, there's actually a fifth move out there that I want, that I think is best for me. And it's Liverpool. Look, they haven't been mentioned in conjunction with my name quite as frequently as the other four. But <laughs> I know that Jürgen has an eye on me. And I want to play for him. I want to play alongside Virgil, my compatriot and Netherlands national teammate. We make a phenomenal pair. I want to play in front of Alisson. I think he's fantastic. And I know they've got Gomez and Matip and Lovren. But I think I'm better than all three. And I think I would be the perfect candidate for Liverpool. And I want to wait for them. Yeah, I'm going to snap out of that now. I mean, look, I'm expecting him to join Juve. And as we record, the suggestions are that, 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 today, that, yeah. that it's, it's, you know, it's been accelerated. It could happen. And I'm not saying that Juventus is a bad move. No. It's not a bad move. None of these moves will be particularly poor. <laughs> um, but Juve, there are some, well, they get, uh, there's a clog of centre-halves there. But going and winning a Champions League or trying to and training with Ronaldo, very alluring. Same for Barcelona and Messi. PSU would be good too. 
I just think that going and pairing up with Van Dijk at club level and playing for a club like Liverpool, who do need a centre-half and do have money, I think that's the perfect move for him. I mean, Liverpool can't spend that kind of money at the moment. They spent so much of their money in the last couple of windows. They spent basically three or four windows of money in a very short space of time by getting Alisson and Cater and Fabinho and, of course, Van Dijk came in for them as well. Some of that was funded by Coutinho. It was funded by Coutinho, but what they decided at that time was the money that they had a vision to spend over a longer course of time, they would spend it quicker to try and catch up with Man City, and it worked, and they won the Champions League. But as a result of that, they don't have actually the kind of money to spend right now as you would imagine they do. In a year's time, though, yeah, it'll be there again. And I agree with Sam. Like I think that he would fit brilliantly into that role. The big problem, though, is not just the fee that they would have to pay. I mean, the fee for Delict isn't actually too bad. What, we're talking sixty million. You're looking like at like yeah, for, in pounds, I guess it will translate to between sixty and seventy million. But in euros, it's between seventy and eighty million euros. But on top of that, you've got Raiola's commission, which you're going to be looking at in advance of €10 million. Now, that's not normal. Saying I should fire my agent. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly, mate, yeah. Very, very plausibly. Right, let's take things onwards. As ever, we let you decide the third hot take. And you've been voting in your thousands on Twitter, so thank you. We had the tightest poll that we've ever had. On a BR Not just us, poll. it was Twitter's tightest poll in history. Ever, ever <laughs> in history. Uh, we asked you to decide which side of the Derby della Madonnina that you wanted us to discuss, AC Milan or Internazionale. With an hour to go, it was still 50-50. How many votes were there? 14,277 <laughs> votes in total. And I can reveal that with 51%, of the vote, we're going to be talking about the Rossoneri yeah. AC Milan. That was tight. Really Just, just tight. checking it live, it's still 51 to 49. 51 so, to 49. I mean, wow. And that's, I mean, look, this is a city divided. It really and is. It, and, and it shows. And yeah. it shows. Right, off you go, so, Jack. AC Milan, new manager, a couple of new signings. It's all changed in the red and black half of the city. Marco Giampaolo has taken the reins after three years at Sampdoria. And the early thoughts are that he will bring the 4-3-1-2 formation that served him so well in Genoa. So what I think is most interesting about this is that Giampaolo doesn't really use wingers. Mm. Where does that leave the likes of Suso, Barini, Castillejo? And where do the additions in midfield, Krunic has come in already and Banassa is very close, apparently from Empoli. Where does that leave the likes of Bonaventura and Chalhanoglu? And most importantly, potentially Sam, Theo Hernandez has arrived from Real Madrid. How many left-backs does one team need? Well, not three-star left-backs, because you can't get them all on the pitch. It's like when Southampton stockpiled goalkeepers. It's like, do they know what the rules of this is? <laughs> I don't, yeah, I mean, love, I love Teo Hernandez. I think he can go on to become an, an exceptional player if yep. he can find his, his previous levels, let's, let's say. His Alaves um, form. Yeah, his Alaves form, which was absolutely sensational. But they're already in a position where they have, like, Rodriguez uh, and Lachalt, who cost... What, 50 million euros between them, probably? Yeah, and then they've added another 20, 25 minutes. So they've got like 75 million euros worth of left-backs here. If, if they played with a left-winger, you could push one of them forward. Yeah. But they don't. Yeah, and so like I want to say that this I'm not. This isn't the sole reason, but Milan f- have frequently found themselves the wrong side of financial fair play over the last few years with extreme financial mismanagement. Having 75 million euros worth of left-backs is probably <laughs> one of the reasons why they can't control their own books and they've had to duck out of the Europa League this season because they can't fulfil what I was going to come on to that later. It's a bit weird, but the whole thing is they've voluntarily 
chosen to take a ban from Europe in order to comply further down the line with financial regulations. I've never heard of that. AKA focus on the league. This, this, this Jan Paolo situation with the 4-3-1-2 and, and a very top-heavy and wing-heavy squad, it reminds me of like basically every iteration of football manager. I, fo- I figure out a tactic that works and beats the system and I use it everywhere. I use it all of the time. And then sometimes I'll take a job and it just obviously doesn't fit the squad that I've inherited. So I think, well, I'll just do it anyway. And it feels like this is what Jan Paolo's doing. Like Castillejo, Chalhanolu, Suso... Barini. Barini, all these players that don't really have a hope. You could play Suso behind the striker or yeah, strikers. One which we assume but, is going to be Paqueta. But we assume is that's that's going to be Paqueta because we also think Andre Silva will play alongside Piontek up front. So well, I, I think Cotrone will good, be in there. Yeah, you? Patrick Cotrone will be in there. And Cotrone. Which, which, which is a good thing for Andre Silva, I think. He, he's had a funny old couple of years. Yeah, he did all right it. first half of the year under Sevilla last year and then just fell away. Yeah. But... You know, there is a, a place now in the squad for him again at Milan, and that could be the making of it. Yeah, there could, was a lot of talk be. that he could leave, but I don't think he's going to. One of the, the interesting transfers, they keep being linked with Everton, actually. But if you're saying they don't, they're not going to play with a wide player... Well, look, maybe Giampaolo changes his... I mean, I don't think that, I don't think bit, that but... deal will happen, but they've been linked with him so heavily, it makes no they've sense. They've also been linked with Fekir, and yeah. he, obviously he'd be ideal to play behind the striker, but again, you've, you've already got like three players, players there. Yeah. So um, I, it's... I'm expecting some serious, serious squad churn because, ironically, it's a squad built for the Europa League. Yeah. Depth-wise, it's got it has the capacity to take on a European challenge as well as a domestic one, and they've bowed out of it. So, like, if they if they lose six players this summer, I wouldn't be surprised. There's definitely kind of scope for Milan to be up and amongst it again this year if they get this right. Yeah, I think. I think you're right. I just remember about three months ago when I said they'd win the, the Milan derby and finish fourth and I was completely wrong. So I'm just like trying not to get too excited over Milan because I do sometimes fall into a trap. They're, they're a team that I, I really want to get back to where they were. Uh, very few sort of fallen giants like that across the European years where I've, just, I've yearned for them to, to, to just get their, their stuff together and figure it out. And Milan are that team that yep. I just wish they were what I thought they were or remember remember them being when I was growing up. So I tend to get a bit too excited about it. So I'm going to temper it off and say, nah, still fifth. But fingers crossed. Excellent. Well, let's see how they get on. That is all for Hot Takes, which leads us on to this week's big rankings of the break. Welcome back to BR Football Ranks, where it is time for this week's big ranking. Today, we're going to be ranking the five big transfers that make the most sense for all parties involved. So, players who want to leave, selling clubs who are inclined to sell, and buying clubs who could welcome these additions. Sam? Over to you. Yeah, the three ticks here are very, very important. So, look, lots of transfers one side would like and a player would like, but another club critically wouldn't want to sell. So we've ruled those out. I've come up with five that I think would just make sense for all parties and therefore I think should just happen like any time now, yeah. right? Any time now. Quick. Um, number five, Bakayoko to Monaco. Back Yoko to Monaco. Hashtag back a Yoko. Back um, to Monaco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know players don't really do this. They don't tend to go back or it doesn't tend to go very well when they do do it. So I understand there'll be some concerns about this, but I think back a Yoko will be looking at the Chelsea situation right now, even with a transfer ban and thinking, I count Kovacic, Kante, Jorginho, Loftus-Cheek, Drinkwater and at a push, Mason Mount, if you really want to. He must be thinking, there's no spot for me. Yep. And I've just come off a season in which, yeah, okay, it, it didn't end so well because I fell out with a coach, but did, did play quite well. 
Yeah, yeah, he had and showed, an and showed his quality with AC Milan at times and proved that he should be able to walk into another good European side. OK, the Premier League season didn't go well for him, but he's a good player. There is a good player in there somewhere. And with Monaco having just sold Yuri Tielemann for 40 million to Leicester and the fact that they, they have money anyway... Um, and they nearly went down last year just because of a sheer lack of steel in midfield and a sheer lack of experience as well. Having a player like Bakayoko back could be a huge and important step for them. And this is one that I, I see would just make everybody happy. I think Chelsea can cut their losses. I think Bakayoko can relaunch his career. And Monaco can finish higher than 17th. <laughs> they'd, all, they'd probably be very happy to have him back, given... Given the lack, like you say, the lack of steel, we we spoke very early on this podcast about having Tielemans and Fabregas yeah. in the middle, and Monaco having absolutely no spine whatsoever. Yeah. That was addressed a little bit. Yeah, they only played together for a few games, didn't they? But it was not good. No, um, it was addressed. It was addressed, and Fabregas actually had a decent end to the season as well. So, but on the whole, they could probably do with a player or in, in Bakayoko's mould. Yeah, I think adding that league as well. I think it'll. He's obviously fine. I think that in the Premier League, he it didn't work out for him so far. And in Lampard, he's not going to have a coach, I don't think, that is going to be willing to give him the chances. I remember actually um, in his early days and hearing Lampard talk about, about Bakayoko, and he was quite critical of him, particularly in terms of work rate. And I would imagine that a lot of Lampard's team is going to be built on work rate and pressing. That's that's how I envisaged that Chelsea team early doors. Um and at a time also when he's going to be promoting youth, um, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not expecting a whole team of youth players next season for Chelsea, but they're the ones that are going to get the chance. I don't think Bakayoko is going to get chances. I think Drinkwater's more likely to get opportunities than Bakayoko. For right or for wrong? Yeah, we, we, last week's podcast with, with Clayton from the Chelsea Fancast, like, we're talking about Kante and Drinkwater's previous connection and the ability to play in a two-man midfield. And I do think that will give, along with the fact that Drinkwater is homegrown, and the fact that his resale value is probably lower at this point because uh, he's been actually absent for one year and just people won't, won't be sure what condition he's in. Yeah, who knows who I, th- he is. I think he'll actually get the leg up on Bakayoko in terms of a squad position or the fight for a role, which makes Bakayoko to me completely and utterly expendable. And if Monaco came in with 30 million as a bid, like I, I, Chelsea probably, the way they do deals, Chelsea, they'll get a good price for him. Like we've seen how they negotiate and the kind of fees that they get for players. Yeah. They'll do well out of this and Monaco will end up paying it. And by the way, Bakioka, he did do much better when, when he went to Milan and got away from the kind of zone he was in at Chelsea in his head. And I, th- I think it'll be fine if yeah. he made some move. Like it was that. interesting about, about him in general because he's obviously a good player. That, that, that much was, was always kind mm. of clear. But the more he tried and the more it went wrong, it, it did feel a bit like this just needs, it's an environment thing. It, it will, it's not going to work. Well, Stanford Bridge out. becomes poisonous when you're a player like that. There's, there's not many grounds that you go to and you feel that once a player isn't particularly liked and they, they make a couple of wrong passes or they make a mistake which leads to a goal, they're quite unforgiving. And I think that Bakayoko is a prime example. We've seen it a lot with strikers. But when it comes to midfielders, Bakayoko definitely felt, um, you know, the Chelsea fans' Wrong. venom, if you like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Who's in at number four then, Sam? Number four, uh, we're going to go with Ryan Sessegnon to Tottenham Hotspur. You're breaking my heart here, Sam. Yeah, I'm just going to throw it to you boys, actually. Just very briefly, one year left on his deal, um, heading, back in, heading back in, at Fulham, heading back into the Championship. Had a mixed year in the Premier League, but showed glimpses. Everybody knows that he's an extremely talented young man. Um, whether or not y- you judge him on what happened last year or not, in a, in a very dysfunctional side where he was in and out, um, 
there's a question over what position he is uh, long term. But I think he's a player that Pochettino could work with very, very well. And he's now in a position with that one year left on his contract at Fulham where a, a pretty reasonable bid probably gets him. Yeah, Fulham, Fulham can't allow that contract to run out. They can't afford to. Mm. So that's the thing. Sessegnon, he either has to sign a new contract, which looks increasingly unlikely, or he has to go this summer because it's just not feasible for a club going down a division and losing the Premier League money to be able to keep a player of that value and let him walk away for free. Yeah. So, and he can walk in January. So this transfer has to go through this summer or Sessegnon needs to sign a new deal. And the one that looks likely is a transfer at this point. It does, yeah. And it, to be honest, it does make sense. I think Fulham's problem is that they're not in a strong position to negotiate a good fee for Sessegnon. I still think they'll get £20 million around, around that mark. But I think that a year ago, you'd have got a lot more than that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, what I imagine Tottenham will do in this situation is let the window drag out they're not desperate to get Sessegnon in right now. It doesn't really matter to them. Um, he's on a break anyway right now. He hasn't even joined up with Fulham yet because no. he's on international duty. Mm. Also picked up a knock, so he might not even be fully fit yet. So for Tottenham, this is a deal that they can wait to happen on deadline day, to be honest, and put in the offer. And they know that if they put in a deal, an offer close to £20 million, Fulham are very, very likely to accept it. Um, it becomes a little complicated because from what I'm told, they also want his twin brother, Stephen Sessegnon, who actually hasn't broken through properly yet at Fulham, but people are aware of the fact that he's also a big talent. And, and I'm told that Tottenham want both of them to come in as part of this deal, which I think Fulham aren't particularly happy about. It's very um, greedy, that. Very greedy. Yeah. One Sessignon's good enough. <laughs> been good enough for Benin. <laughs> yeah. Um, but listen, also from a Fulham point of view, I think it's not the end of the world if Sessignon leaves. So I think, you know, he, they have, he wasn't amazing last season. He will eventually become a, Great left back, probably. Yeah. Right now, he's not a left back. He's going to play further up the pitch. I wouldn't even expect him, to be honest, to feature that much for Tottenham next season. It'll be a kind of gradually get him used to that kind of standard, that level. Mm. And Pochettino, though, the perfect man to guide him into the next stage of his career. I think so. You know, I think one of the interesting things is that Sessegnon could probably play left wing back if yeah. there's three at the back. And it's something that we've seen Pochettino experiment with. Mm. Whether he's going to go with that going forward is a completely different question. But if there is that role that kind of changes from a left back to a left wing back, then there is opportunities. Obviously, yeah. Danny Rose is probably over the hill slightly and on the way down, um, although still a very, very talented he player. He had a bit of a renaissance at the yeah. second half of the season, but you have to start planning. He also wanted to leave for 18 months. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. not. You think that someone like Rose is the kind of ideal person to, to show Sesson on those ropes because he was obviously an a far, far more attacking player than he is. He, I mean, he still remains an attacking left back, but yeah. on the whole, he used to be far more flying forward. Yeah. And, you know, you look to someone like that to be a mentor to Sesson as he changes from a winger to a defender, because I do think while he is now, his best position is a left winger. His future is as a left back yeah we'll uh, see but... I, we'll see how his body fills out and what he becomes physically uh, it's the same question as jack clark on the other side who spurs signed their first signing in in 517 in 517 days jack clark um signed from leeds and then went back on loan but he is also a big question mark with regard to like what exactly is he we know he's talented we know he's a box of potential but I don't know if he's a wing-back, a winger, or a full-back. Sessegnon, we know right now, is not a full-back, but probably might be later as his body starts to develop. Um, and remember that Pochettino is the full-back whisperer. 
Exactly. The only the only fullback he hasn't worked wonders with is Serge Aurier because he keeps giving away too many penalties. <laughs> He's also just perennially injured. Yeah. And thus it's difficult to be a fullback whisperer when you're actually injured all the time. Yeah. So right. so what Pochettino can do with Sessegnon is super exciting. I think so Genuinely. too. And from, from that perspective, he needs to go and fulfill his potential. And I think that if he's going to go anywhere to Spurs under Pochettino seems like the sensible option for yep. him right now. Yep. Right, Sam, who's at three? At three, uh, we have our friend Danny Ceballos. Oh, you're whispering to me today. Currently of Real Madrid. Hi. And I think he's on his way out. I think he thinks he's on his way out. And I've picked a destination for him. It is Manchester United. I don't do that to him. We like Ceballos. <laughs> We're too harsh on, on Man United on this podcast. We, we joke that we'd never send anyone there. But look, I actually think Ceballos and Manchester United's intentions and statuses are quite well aligned. Yeah. Um, they're both, they both have an incredible amount of potential, uh, but they're not fulfilling it right now. And I think their attitudes would be the same. United are trying to pick themselves up off the floor. And Ceballos, having just starred at the under-21 Euros... Um, having a reputation as one of the best young creative ball players in the world, despite not really getting the opportunity to show that very much of Real Madrid. I think he would, he would, he is a player that would go to Manchester United with the right kind of mentality. He's the kind of guy who could essentially revolutionize that midfield. And he's not a has been, he hasn't already lived his career. That's what Man United are worried about right now. They don't want another Alexis. So Bios is completely different to that. And I don't know if he goes on loan or, or permanent this, this summer, but it does genuinely feel like he's going to leave because Real Madrid clearly don't have any plans for him. He needs to leave in order to he's fulfill got to go. his potential. Dean, it would be unwise to discuss this transfer without talking about Tottenham as part of it. They've been heavily, heavily linked with Sabios time and time again. Is there legs in that transfer or have Tottenham gone cold on him? Well, they want someone in that kind of area of the field, but they have, they've got other names on their list as well. And Giovanni Lo Celso. Yeah, and Lo Celso is certainly someone that um, Pochettino likes and has probably seen plenty of for Argentina as much as in his, his club football recently. Um, and I think that he would be a really good fit as well. So I, we know that Daniel Levy doesn't get held to ransom over anything e- either. So um, talking about Sessegnon and how he'll negotiate right to deadline, he probably is in a position here where there aren't too many actual buyers in the market for Ceballos. Now, one of the things that I was told was that Ceballos actually has already been offered to Man United. And part of the reason that is because they're trying to sweeten Man United up right now. And there's a certain other midfielder at Old Trafford that they're trying to get hold of. And as part of that, they know the United are in the middle of a rebuild and they're looking for young, hungry talent. And Ceballos, they thought, well, let's let's put it out there. And so far, I'm told Man United haven't bitten on that. Um, but it's an interesting one and it certainly fits in perfectly with what Sam's saying there. They're definitely waiting to see what happens with Pogba there. There's no need for them to commit to that immediately, but it's nice to have. Um, my concern with Sabahs to Spurs is one of the reasons Sabahs needs to leave is because he needs to play. Like, yeah. he's, he's 23 in early August. Get on the pitch. He recently said, I plan to be happy and the only way that can happen is if I play 40 games a season. A damning indictment on his personal life and close relatives. But he needs to go. Sounds like you. He needs I'm to... only happy if I make 40 rankings a season. It's got nothing to do with my friends or family. <laughs> he needs to go. And with Spurs, unless Ericsson is sold, he, they, they are very similar. 
uh, as 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 the kind of number eight, number ten hybrid. What about role. Delhi? Could he be the long term replacement for Delhi? Delhi's not going anywhere this season. Son's there. Lucas has transformed his own career prospects. You've got Ndombele and Winks there. The, the person I would in say mix. in his position is Winks because I think that a, a Ceballos and Ndombele pivot would be fine. But Pochettino loves Winks. Yeah, and, no, no, no. and he is there. Also, Harry Winks star. needs minutes. Yeah, so like Harry is... Winks is awesome. So there's no need to go the hunting other thing for is, a Winks though, replacement. The thing is with Tottenham by the midfielder, it's pretty risky coming up with completely new combinations for the start of a new season. Like they've got Ndombele in there. He's going to be playing. Mm-hmm. You, you also, you want the rest of that midfield to be quite familiar with, with, yeah, settled with, with the formation, with the tactics, with the style of play. And I just can't see Pochettino throwing another big name into that mix right now. Well, I mean, I, if I was if I was Spurs, I would probably go for Lo Celso. Um, I think he'd end up probably a tiny bit cheaper, and I think Lo Celso would probably be in a position where he'd be willing to maybe wait it out a little bit longer or, or play a bit of a, more of a bit part role with Ericsson and Ali in the mix. Whereas Sabios, he clearly he's made himself his very very clear. I'm playing some football. Right, we get it. You know, so go go somewhere where you can find that, and that's why I want to I want to see him go to Manchester United to lead that midfield revolution, yeah. rather than go to Spurs because yeah, Ericsson like Ericsson may not have a conclusion this summer. No, I, I think I think you're right. I, I think it fits in terms of minutes. Before we we discussed Milan obviously a lot in this podcast, yeah, yeah. but there was talk of of Zabaz to Milan as well. I'm not sure where he fits into that midfield. Under Gianpaolo. But they've already got loads of them. They have loads so. of midfielders, and we've just talked about how many players they have in the 10. Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe that's it. So, so maybe United is the, is the thing. What I would be worried about is the fact that United need a, a deep line midfielder that's going to sit. And, and, you know, Manu Matic is probably just about finished. They need, look, they need lots of things. Yes, yeah. but if Ceballos is to succeed there, he needs to be played in a midfield that makes sense. For anybody to succeed at Man United, they need to get like three, four more players and they need to get their act together. No one will succeed on an individual basis unless the team starts functioning. Okay. So I'm not throwing that against Sabas. I'm not holding it against him because, yeah, he, I'm not saying he fixes everything. Right. Sabas to Man United. Yeah. Tick, tick, tick. Number two. Two. Well, Dean just mentioned certain other midfielders. Um, so I'm going to mention him in full now and talk about him. Um, Paul Pogba, currently of Manchester United. Just go to Real Madrid, man. And that's swap, swap deal season. And that swap deal, like, I didn't know about that, obviously. Uh, that, excites me Swap yeah I mean I don't think it's something that's particularly public right now but I'm, I'm just told by someone that that it, as I said to sweeten the deal for Pogba like they're willing to, to put a player into the mix there and it makes a lot of sense I can see exactly why you, you start to go down that route Man United looking for upwards of 130 million pounds for Pogba and you know when they bought him for what is it 89 or something 89, like that um you know, anything I think in advance of a hundred million pounds is a good deal. They look at it as well. He's a World Cup winner now. He wasn't when we signed him, so he he adds should, value. Yeah, of course. yeah, that should bring in way more money. But they also need midfielders. So I think that actually the deal for Sabayas to go as well as a hundred million is a good deal. But Pogba obviously desperate now to get to Real Madrid. Mina Raiola completely driving this deal. Um, Pogba's basically a puppet at this stage. He's just doing whatever he's told. He's he's gone out to Man United's preseason tour. He's being seen to do all the right things. He's there. He's got his club suit on. <laughs> did Raiola tell him to run through Central Park? <laughs> <laughs> Probably did. Um, he's just going to do all the right things right now. He's not going to throw his toys out the pram because that's not going to help things. Um, but Man United need this transfer to happen. If he's going, it's he got to happen go. soon. I know the Spanish window obviously stays open longer, but... The Premier League's got like a... Well, Man United need to have replacements exactly. in place if Pogba is going to go. So yeah. it kind of needs to be done before the 
the Premier League transfer window is done, right? Very much so, yeah. If I'm Real Madrid, I'm taking Pogba over Ericsson. I actually have some quite serious doubts about whether Ericsson does enough to improve Real Madrid, honestly, uh, given his last six months or so. Um, If I was Pogba, I'd be pretty willing to get out of Man United. I'd be pretty willing to get out of England, to be quite frank, because he's not actually treated very well here by certain people, by certain elements of the media, by, by, by subsections of fan bases. I would be willing. I would be. I would want to go, just not because it's Real Madrid, but to get out of England. He'll as well. be awesome, though, won't he? Yeah, at Real Madrid next season. Pogba. I just think he'd be awesome. I think he would be so full of hunger and drive, and on top of that, actually able to play the way he wants to play. You just mm. see like someone like Zidane being like, "Okay, mate, I've got you it. away from there now. Just go and do what you do." Yeah, mm-hmm. he'd be so good. Yeah, I think it, it, this one very much. It makes sense as long. So, you know, obviously the tri- the three-tick system has been the key here. Yeah. This makes sense as long as Man United can, like, feasibly replace him. Yeah. So as soon as the English transfer window closes, this transfer no longer becomes a three-tick thing. Mm. So Correct. it's all about timing on yeah. this one if it's going to appease all the parties. The one that's been thrown around that I saw that I just want to quickly discuss is Isco has been linked in this deal. The, the Isco has been not offered, but but mooted, I suppose, yeah. as part of the deal to swap Pogba. Would that be a better deal for United? just can't see him going for it, can you? Like, I just don't see that Isco yeah. would do that. Like, it doesn't need to. I'd rather sit on the bench and wait for my chance again than go, than go to Man United and risk that, especially seeing what Pogba's been through. I think because Isco's a bigger name than somebody like Ceballos and United fans would expect more from him. And I think that it could quite easily not work out. Um, listen, you Great player, you know how much I love him. Of course, but is he also slightly on the verge of coming to a point in his career where he just needs minutes? Um, just well, needs minutes. He's yeah, Real Madrid, yes, though, isn't yes he? Like, no. he's, so he's, who's No, 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 but Isco has, has already achieved yeah. quite a lot. So, like, if this is it, if this is it for him in the first team of Real Madrid, fine. But he can afford to be extremely picky about where he goes next. So, Bios has, has, got, a, has got a play, right? Yeah. So, there's, there is a different element to it. It's actually interesting you mentioned that like, a, a lot of names that I went through in this process trying to find perfect transfers and there were players like Isco who I just couldn't really figure out exactly where was perfect for them and Gundogan was one of them Gundogan has got to get out of Man City it was it was was hard enough for him to play last year and now they've signed Rodri for his position so where does he go but I just couldn't find I couldn't find the right spot for him does he go home does he go back to back to Dortmund well that's the thing I don't maybe maybe not but can they can they afford to, to pay the wages that he's on now? Aye. Would he go to Leipzig or something? No. Again, Gundogan can afford to be very, very picky about where he goes next because he's already achieved quite a lot and isn't, doesn't need to prove himself. He can wait for that perfect opportunity. He's also got a year left. In a year, he can go for free to wherever he wants to go. Yeah. So it, it's, a, it's a case of where are they in their career as well as, as well as the talent and the fit. Absolutely. Right, well, talking of talent and fit, Who's at number one? Well, well I thought ta- you were talk about me then. <laughs> I'd say talent. I wouldn't say fit, given the uh, parent- <laughs> the ankle injuries this guy is sustaining nowadays. Uh, it's it's the big one, the one that's dominating our headlines. It's Neymar of PSG to Barcelona. I've employed, I've, I've checked the three-tick system. I've actually made it a four-tick system. PSG are open to selling him. As revealed yesterday As revealed, by Leonardo. Uh, by Leonardo, their sporting director. Barca won him back, obviously. Neymar wants to go back more than anything. And I want this to be done. The fourth tick is me. <laughs> I hate oh, this. Oh, wise Come rank on. God. I hate this. <laughs> this is so boring. <laughs> Neymar to Barca, Neymar to Barca, Neymar to Barca. Neymar's entourage says this. Bartomeu says this for Barca. He can't afford him. Now he's got a release clause. Oh, he can go. It's just, oh, 
was so annoying. Just mm. get it done. What was the clause that they paid, that PSG played for? It was about two hundred and twenty odd million. Yeah, just pay it back. Just get it done with. It's over. Right. <laughs> is right okay there's lots of things here uh, you, yes psg are often open to selling for the right price was the was the full quote so yeah. let's put that in there two is this swap deal season does there need to be players going the other way in exchange and and three where's he fit barcelona if griezmann signs uh, so unfortunately in this scenario Griezmann is unemployed. Now, Griezmann's going anyway. <laughs> yeah, Griezmann, yeah, Griezmann pays going. his own release clause and sits on a beach um, at this <laughs> point. He's going he's, to the NBA. He, yeah, he may do. Uh, in this scenario, Griezmann is done over by Barca and they sign Neymar and not him. Coutinho can go to PSG to soften it if you want, if you want to do a, a part exchange or something like that. Coutinho's but... been brilliant in the Copper. Uh, do you know what? He was pretty good in the Champions League last season as well, for the most part. I think he gets an, a slightly unfair rap, although, to be fair, there are some La Liga games where he does nothing. Um, but, yeah, re, re, sort of realigning Neymar and Messi. I can't think of a better plan to win the Champions League, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, I'm sure that PSG will demand more than the clause that they paid for him because of inflation and things like that. But Neymar is arguably worse than when he arrived at PSG, and he's definitely more injury prone. Yeah. So this this is actually going to be quite a contentious one, and I would be a bit careful with it if I was Barca. But again, four ticks Make, makes everyone happy. Would you send Usman Dembele the other way? I would, I probably would, yeah. Because, and it's that's not to say that I don't think Dembele can make it or that he's not a, a brilliant talent because he is. But if you sign Neymar, like you're everyone else that plays on that wing, their minutes just diminish or half or quarter. And if you've got an investment like Dembele playing 600 minutes a season as a stand-in, he cost over a hundred million. Yeah. That's a bad use of money. So you've you probably got to go and try and make some money back on that. And, to, and use somebody else in that role that they can step in for Neymar. So let's revert the scenario one second and let's have a sign Griezmann and Neymar. Could Barcelona feasibly line up with Arthur and De Jong in a double pivot? Where's with Busquets? A, with, well, I think De Jong is the long-term Busquets replacement, so that's fine. He can be a backup there. Yeah, he can be on a bit. With Suarez up top on his own and a kind of rotating triumvirate of Neymar, Messi and Griezmann behind him. Yeah, it's because dis- that's like unbelievable. It's disgusting, isn't it? It's, it's, it's disgusting. And maybe, maybe, maybe Griezmann steps in for Suarez a little bit as well up front. Yeah. In a front three if they need him to because Suarez is not going to last forever. Unlike Aguero, he is showing signs of wear and tear mostly because of how much he puts into every game that he Absolutely. plays. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it should be illegal. <laughs> That is ridiculous. I mean, this is what financial fair play was brought in for, wasn't it? <laughs> they'll deal with that further down the line. I'm sure that they'll have to off- they'll offload players quickly to to make up for the shortfall. But um, a lot of it comes down to Marcus Alves wrote a piece for Bleacher Report um, talking about the five reasons why Neymar's return needs to be taken seriously. And one of the points that he made is that Barcelona are pretty much the only club that where the board listens to what the players think. And by that, I mean, I guess you could argue now Juventus listened to Ronaldo. Real but... Madrid, just have a little bit of a thing yeah. with Sergio Ramos. But anyway, Messi wanting Neymar back is hugely significant. And apparently that's one of the huge things driving this. Not only the fact that Neymar's entourage are pushing for this move, um, his family believed to just be waiting now to go and move into a new place in Barcelona. Um, but Messi wants him there as well. And if that's the case, then they're going to make it happen no matter what. Um, it seems very difficult to believe that we're going to see Neymar get in the PSG shirt. 
and especially also, didn't turn up for training yesterday. Exactly, and um, I just think that PSG are kind of changing their philosophy as well. I think that they're sick of being seen as this club um, that are just signing people for the sake of it. Buffon's now gone. Neymar's going as well. Alves has gone. Yeah. I think they're kind of changing the way they're going to be perceived, and I hope they are because it hasn't quite worked out the way we no. all thought it might do. Um, well, their transfer business so far, Herrera and Pablo Sarabia, are two good steps in that direction. Yeah, very two good steps to be signed. Yeah. And I like that. Um, Neymar to Barcelona, I don't think it's a great idea for Barcelona. As Sam said before, I think that they won't be getting the same Neymar back that they used to once have. But the same time it could be absolutely electric and it's going to be fun to watch it could be magic (laughs) isn't it it really really could right well that is our main ranking wrapped up and we will be back after the break it's that time again it is your favorite part of the show my favorite part of the show sam spin the wheel name a kit for this season that you love and one that you hate by C underscore best on Instagram. Thank you, C underscore best seven. You could do this all in one club, given your <laughs> rants on Twitter recently. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Uh, the Inter Milan away kit, is the, 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 the mint, mint. Gorgeous. We'll, we'll call it mint green. It's beautiful. But I do actually think the Arsenal kits are nicer, genuinely. I don't, I don't think there are a pair of kits nicer than Arsenal's. They are incredible. Adidas have done an absolutely phenomenal job with those. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's a bit of an unpopular opinion, especially with Jack, is that Inter's home kit this year, I don't actually like that much. See, I completely disagree with you. I really like it. I think it's really hard to mess up their classic dark blue and black stripes, but they've actually managed it because where they've got their sponsor across the middle, they've kind of slanted the stripes to give it a kind of edgier look. Um, and I hate it. I, I really, think it really, wicked. I think it really jars and I really don't like it. Fair. I mean, I can understand why it's difficult, but for someone with, you know, from an aesthetic background with a real, you know, eye for these kind <laughs> of things. With real taste. With real taste, I think it's wonderful. Dean, over to you. Um, I like Barcelona's. No! Oh, there's the big, there's really the spice. Like that is, you can't just stick to the same thing forever. It's that like is, when they split it in half, it was better. Like no. every now and then you like mix half, it up. Half, yeah, the half yeah. was cool. So if that was acceptable, why isn't the... Yeah, but it was, ver- it was still, it was still it technically was still a, a vertical, vertical stripe. It just was one of them. Yeah. So is this if you like squint really heavily? <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's, the pattern they've gone with is a complete and utter betrayal. And to say you like it is heresy. I think this kit will outsell any other Barcelona kit in history. No, that's well, maybe, maybe, that's maybe, maybe, to use as, maybe to use as like dish rags or tabletops in dominoes or something. I like just that. think they've done it just to keep Ivan Rakitic happy. <laughs> that's, yeah, maybe. that's probably not. Why is, that, think it's really why is cool. that their prerogative? I don't know. I, personally, I think it's a terrible idea. Do you hate any kits? No. Okay. <laughs> don't hate anything. Don't, I really like, you like you should couple. Hate. Eintracht Frankfurt uh, yeah, nice. come out with a really lovely home thing that I, I sort of went a bit wild for on Twitter. I also saw someone. Uh, approach you on Twitter saying that it wasn't very nice at all yeah, no, and you had a, quite a long angry. argument about basically what comes down to personal taste which I thought was a phenomenal way well, to it's start. nice because it's like a three colours but it's um, it's symmetrical still and I think that that's a really nice touch yeah oh, I like it I'm with you I'm, yeah I'm a big big fan of it uh, there's there's a couple that have recently Lille released their their away kit Lille is really really nice what colour um, it sort of fades from blue to red uh, in a kind of speckly pattern through the middle big fan okay, of that okay. uh, and as ever Palmer dropping the fire kits for this summer. Palmer have just... I don't think Palmer make bad kits. It's like almost impossible to get a Palmer kit wrong. That white and black cross. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice just, just classy, clean. Okay. Uh, for me, it's an all-round win. 
Any bad ones? Um, the only uh, thing I've seen, interestingly, was that someone on Twitter has been having an argument with Sampdoria. I think it's Nice. Um, basically, just they've just released a Sampdoria kit. Yeah, and, yeah, they have. And Sampdoria got, got a little bit funny about it. And Sampdoria made quite a funny joke. And yeah. then, and then Nice like, got very defensive. Action, yeah, they did very, it. very defensive. And I don't think the kit's that bad, but I was a little bit put out by the defense of it. So I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I, I don't think it. that's okay, lads. Mm. There we go. Right, Dean, I'm going to really. Where would Ajax finish in the Premier League? Difficult question because we don't is know it who's left. Of, yeah, is it Ajax? So we're going to have to go with Ajax of last year. Yeah, let's yeah. go with where would last year's Ajax's team? Okay, last year's Ajax. It's easy. Team. Third. <laughs> top. Third. <laughs> they finished third. Everyone else is rubbish um, except the top two. Yeah. They definitely finished top four. But they depends. If they're going to do as well as they did in the Champions League, I don't think they would be able to balance that. This is what I'm saying. There's also a concern. Like You saw what happened in the last half an hour against Tottenham where they brought the big man, Fernando Llorente, on and they just bullied Daly Blind in the air. Like If every like if Steve Mounier just bullied Daly Blind in the air, would Huddersfield be walking out of the Amsterdam Arena with a big 3-1 away victory shocking the masses? Like, it's not out of the question mm. that, that could, they could actually fall into quite a few pit holes. They just don't face. Well, are they better than Chelsea? Over the course well, of the season, would they have beat I Chelsea? I don't think they're better than Wolves. Here's my take. Because Wolves were also exceptional against the top six. And I think that's a bit what Ajax would have been yeah. like, but actually might have struggled elsewhere. elsewhere. So I'm going to go with six. I, I think they probably would have just had a little bit more talent to sneak the European spot um, or, or a little bit more, you know, let's say comfort in, yeah. in that. But I think that's the kind of a, a range we're looking at. I think that's disrespectful. I'm going to go benefit that out fourth. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go third. I'm going to go third. Wow. Yeah, wow. That's, that's high. I, I mean, that's no disrespect. You know how much I love Ajax. No, it's, it's hugely just, disrespectful. It's just I think that they would have struggled against, you know... It's high, a good argument. The big, the big man. Yeah, Alexander yeah. Mitrovic is, is, is scoring a hat-trick. <laughs> He is not scoring a hat-trick. He gets a hat-trick of chances, he misses them all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is from Vavelda on Instagram. He says, would you rather be a player that splits opinion, loved by your own fans, hated by others, or someone who everybody vaguely likes? Well, I am literally the former. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, would I rather just be vaguely liked? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like me and Jack. Yeah, my Instagram DMs are absol- an absolute hellhole and my mentions are worse. I take, I take being vaguely liked all day. <laughs> this is like basically, do you want to be Sergio Ramos or Rafael Varane? It's a bit boring, isn't it, the second option? I don't in know. Foot- when you're a footballer... Everyone likes Juan Mata. He's when a you're a footballer, geezer. I think you want people to feel passionate about the type of player you are. So I think I'm all in for it. People might hate me, but as long as you've got like a big portion of people that also love you, it means you're not like a completely horrible person. So <laughs> I'm into that. Yeah, no, I mean, I can see who you're coming from. I think there's something in like, If everyone hated you, I'd be like, no, don't want that. But like yeah. someone like, quite a lot of like the club legends you think of, like the kind of one club men, you know, are, are mostly vaguely liked. You know, think of like a Totti. Everyone vaguely liked Francesco Totti, didn't they? Yeah. No, they, they, they he, he did inspire a, a large amount of love and loyalty from the Roma fans, but equally everyone else was just like, yeah, he's quite nice, we mm. like him. Yeah, I, and you've got think, like Ian Wright at Arsenal, Eric Cantona at Man United, like did everyone like them? No, 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 I'm not saying, but you know, these are like those kind of people that, that kind of transcend that. Are there are some, yeah, liked. definitely. Yeah. So I'm going to go for being an absolute legend and being vaguely liked by everyone. That's going to be my. <laughs> You've added the bit into I the question. I would have guessed that. I have yeah. added to the question, yes, I, yeah. I think so. Ooh. 
Run out of breath. Nonsense siren. I did actually run out of breath. Didn't still, take the proper still good. breath. Still good. Give Thanks. us your nonsense. Okay. <laughs> um, which Hogwarts teachers would make the worst football managers? <laughs> Dean's not going to understand this because he's never watched Harry Potter. Of course not. Have you read any of the books? <laughs> Dean can't read. That's true. If I haven't watched a film, I definitely haven't read the books. <laughs> okay, well, just be quiet and I'll just say this to Jack. I'll let you know when I get onto it after Bob the Builder. <laughs> <laughs> You've got uh, so much growing up to do. I'm so busy excited. somewhere ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so at number three would be Professor Lupin. Right. Perfectly nice man, but night games are clearly going to be a bit of an issue. <laughs> at number two is Hagrid. Um he doesn't come across as particularly articulate, but will often say way too much, reveal way too much information and shoot himself in the foot in the process. Is this the worst manager? That's worst manager, okay, yeah. yeah. right. So think Maurizio Sarri's press conferences, really. I was, I was thinking Neil Warnock. Um, oh, yeah, fine. Fair enough. But Hagrid is, is, like, is very loyal, perhaps to a fault. He'll stick with individuals, even if they've got him into trouble before, and it will probably happen again. Uh, so unfortunately, Hagrid is not going to do the business. And at number one is Dolores Umbridge. Go on. Well, just a week after Dolores stepped into her first team role as a football manager at Tottenham Hotspur, she was fined and suspended by the FA for exacting physical punishment on all of her players. No one remembers exactly why she was hired or why they fired Mauricio Pochettino in the first place, with several at Hotspur Way suggesting it was as if a magical spell had been cast. A police investigation is pending and there are rumours circulating that underneath the bandages on the back of Christian Eriksen's hand, the words, my corners will always beat the first man, have been carved irreparably into the skin. I would say this is probably a bit Antonio Conte. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And that's worked out just about all right for him. Would yeah, be my I take just think that back. Dolores would end up in prison pretty fast. Yeah, no, I mean, I can see, I can see where you're coming from. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I did. I, I think the, the addition. Have you got a, a like-for-like comparison with Lupin? <laughs> well, which football manager is a werewolf? Yeah, is there any werewolf football manager that you can really think of? Is it a bit like Sam Allardyce? Because day games were fine, but night games, he'd already had four pints of wine and therefore <laughs> really really struggled under the lights just made loads of bad decisions absolutely uh yeah uh i'll take i'll take sam allardyce for professor lupin i think hagrid is definitely sari and umbridge is definitely conte Good. Right. what an all-star lineup there is that was nonsense as far as i'm concerned i enjoyed it though i enjoyed it so thank you very much sam that is us all wrapped for this week and all that's left for me to do is to say thank you very much to these two legends to dean jones see you in america jack to Sam Tai. See you in America, Dean. I've been Jack Collins. <laughs> See you in America, lads. Remember to get involved in all things pod using the hashtag BRFootballRanks. Get the three of us on Instagram, which is actually quite useful. You'll be able to follow us on our travels. Uh, get involved with sending in questions for hot takes and roulette. Next week's poll might be a little bit different, but you can get it at Jack J. Collins on Twitter. If you haven't already, make sure you download the BR app for the best sports and culture concert. Also, you should keep an eye on it for any bits from us given our upcoming journeys next week's pod will be coming to you live and direct from chicago with some very special guests so keep sharing the pod keep telling your friends keep rating us on itunes and if you are in chicago or new york definitely hit us up come and see us when we're in the states we're really really excited to meet the rank squad over there take care see you across the pod